Future Sense is a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia at bayfm.org. Hosted by Nick Jeans and well-known international futurist Steve McDonald, Future Sense provides a fresh, deep analysis of global trends and emergent technologies. How can we identify the layers of growth, personally, socially, and globally? What are the signs missed, the truths being denied? Science, history, politics, psychology, ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. And good morning to my co-host, Steve McDonald, on this lovely day. Good morning, Nick. How are you doing this morning? I'm not too bad. I've been pretty busy over the last week or so. You have. You've been all over the place doing all sorts of wonderful things, action rather than words, which is always good to see. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly had a weekend of action. We had our uh, chief instructor visiting from Malta, uh, Eli Montague, who uh, runs the World Tai Chi Boxing Association. Yeah, Tai Chi Boxing. Yeah. Chinese boxing, Kung Fu, in other words. And uh, me and a few friends were doing a... Uh, a quite uh, small, intimate workshop with uh, Eli up on the Gold Coast, which is wonderful. Mm. Learning some new stuff, finding some old stuff. So don't mess with us, folks out there. You know, <laughs> you know, you just think you think you're safe because we're on air here, but no, we can reach through with the power of the kick of the Thai boxing, get right through the airwaves. It's almost the way that fake news works these days. You can just sort of throw stuff out there over the airways. It's like a kick in the face often. Like a Jedi mind trick, really. Like a Jedi mind trick. We have an extra guest in the studio this morning. Speaking of Jedis, Jedi Ross Hill. And uh, not to be confused with Ross Hillsong, which is a completely different thing and not who you are at all. Oh dear. <laughs> Just made that up. Good morning, good morning. <laughs> we would <Ross>. never have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> never have guessed. Um, thanks for joining us, Ross. Ross has been here quite often uh, as a guest on the show when he's up here from Melbourne. Um, nice of you to join us this morning. He's one of our one of our RD team, for those who might know what RD actually is. Yeah. The uh, Agency for the Advanced Development of Integrative Intelligence. That's yeah, right. It's a mouthful. Um, what are we talking about today, Mr. McDonald? We're talking today about the difference between words and actions and how we can use that difference to make sense of some of the crazy things that are going on in our world right now mm. and next week. <laughs> the week after that. Now, we don't often quote the Bible here, but um, it sort of goes to our theme for today. You probably would have heard of the expression, by their fruits ye shall know them. And Mark Twain said, action speaks louder than words, but not nearly as often. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's pretty true too, especially in this day and age where a lot of things are spoken, but it would seem that not much is actually happening in many areas of uh, life on earth. So it seems anyway, uh, how do we get here? Um, Words have really become a problem, haven't they lately? I mean, Mm. with fake news, which is all the news actually. Uh, and the resulting confusion that comes from that and interference in due processes, not you know, like politics, for example, and, and uh, it's all over the news, isn't it? Mm. Interference in politics. Mm. Uh, even even official interference in politics. I mean, it's become official. Once upon a time, it was secret and, and done uh, behind the scenes, but these days it's, it's just done way out there in the open where you can just interfere in whatever's going on by having all of these wonderful sidetracks and investigations and mm. claims that don't seem to have any worth but must be investigated anyway for months and months and months and then reported on. <laughs> and then you've got all the comments that come from all the bots on social media as well. That's right. So are you talking to a person or a bot? That's right. Right. Does it's, it matter? It's, it's like a sort of a, a self-feeding uh, machine, isn't it? It just produces stuff and then eats it and then produces more. I mean, but it's you, very good to look at. <laughs> it's very enjoyable to read. 
it certainly can be entertaining. That's if true. you knew you were talking to a bot, though, if you did know that, would you still talk to a bot? I mean, that's a question. Because is it just the, the need for communication, the need for connection that people are having, irrespective of where that information may come from, perhaps? And I'm just wondering I, as you say that. I talk to Siri all the time. Um, <laughs> yes. But not not in a, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a very utilitarian way. You're not debating anything. I'm not looking for connection with Siri. <laughs> I'm just looking to set an alarm or a timer most of the time. <laughs> but it's quite fascinating because uh, if you look at Twitter now, especially the, the bigger, more political, more uh, controversial tweets, uh, and you just scroll down to the bottom, it always has that little button that says show hidden replies. Okay. Uh, and it's basically the the series of replies and comments that Twitter themselves have deemed to be uh, less accurate, less reliable, okay. and they start filtering them out. So mm. they're still there. You can have a look. It's a little bit like your junk mail in your inbox. Mm. You know, there, there's there's sometimes some good stuff in there. Yeah, but, uh, you find some gold in there, do you? Also I've never looked junk. at that myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> mostly rubbish. Dross, mostly dross, <laughs> a little bit of gold. <laughs> but it's yeah. slowly getting filtered. Yeah. Uh, and so there's, there is this interesting dynamic with the social networks. When they started... Um, it was all based on your social graph. And if I see a comment on an article from a friend, then that's probably more relevant to me than a comment who's uh, not strictly from a friend. But as more and more people have joined these networks, the, the graph has widened and widened. And um, who knows what we're, we're looking at now. It gets a bit messy and, mm. and loose. <laughs> that's right. We might even be listening to people who are not like us. Even as you said about language, I mean, even the word friend, of course, since the rise of social media, particularly Facebook initially, that word friend is a loaded uh, terminology in itself, an innocent word, friend that we all have used, we all have, hopefully have some friends, but now friend means something else, friend means, you know, exactly. a, a certain sort of an acknowledgement, um, a certain sort of alignment perhaps with your with your thoughts, with the things that you're interested in, and when you're not, perhaps you'll be defriended, yeah. which is a new word. And that's if you're not a friend, you can be a follower. Yeah, okay, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, if you're on Twitter and you true. want to hear from the leader of uh, the US, you have to be a follower of Donald Trump. You can't yeah. Just be a listener no. or a, a reader or an observer. <laughs> which, which are you a follower of Donald Trump in that? I'm not, but I do check in on him occasionally to see what he's saying. That's something you want to. Many people would want to own up to very easily. Would I'm a follower of John, Donald Trump on, on social media? Just, for, <laughs> just for on the information. I'm not really a follower. <laughs> See, somebody could cut that up and edit what you just said exactly. and make all sorts of. You know, yeah, and they could do it with video now. They yeah, can, they can yeah. exactly. Yeah. My goodness me. Deep fake. No, no wonder we're in trouble. We're in big trouble. <laughs> and uh, you can sort of see where it's come from. I mean, if we look back to the scientific industrial era, the last few hundred years, and being an individually themed way of being human uh, and driven by the desire for personal success, uh, it had this tendency to want to bend or break the rules in order to make that success more likely. <laughs> and uh, ethics became whatever's necessary. So, and, and really more technically correct, whatever you could get away with. So if you could do something and get away with it, then that would be ethically okay. Yeah. And, uh, and the idea of strategy and deception came out of that same mindset, spin doctoring, uh, which became, you know, quite the art. And there were professional spin doctors, and there still are out there. <laughs> Yeah, particularly in the corporate world, who were, their job was to, to spin the truth into something different uh, and, I, I guess, create an appearance that doesn't actually reflect what's behind the veil, mm. kind of like the Wizard of Oz, I guess. <laughs> uh, and, it, of course, as people started to learn about these processes, because initially it worked famously, but then people realised that, okay, actually there are these spin doctors and, and like our, even our political parties, they employ spin doctors to make them look like something that they're not. 
and uh, <clears throat> with the idea of getting more votes, of course, being more popular. And there was a loss of trust that came from that. So um, people became skeptical, suspicious, didn't know who they could trust, what they could trust. And then as the, I guess, the, the pushback came from that loss of trust, the standard result or the standard response from the scientific industrial mindset, this layer-fired mindset, is to do the same thing but do it harder, go harder. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just the thing. If it's not working, you have to do it longer and harder, right? Yeah. And get well, more bit, extravagantly, get go, a, go even yeah, crazier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're just, you're just not doing it hard enough, so yeah. just spin it a bit more and let's see how it goes. And then that's brought us to where we are now with, uh, I guess, uh, cyber warfare. So it became quite obvious that this was such an effective thing for causing trouble. Then it became an an instrument of war and uh, deceiving and confusing your opponent's population was a wonderful way to wage war without actually having to spend money on dropping bombs. Um, and uh, and then of course the the whole fake news thing, you know, which is is be, it's very hard to tell now where the fake news is coming from, and I'm pretty sure that people just make up fake news just for the fun of it as well, <laughs> without, well, memes, without yeah. any strategy behind it, just for the amusement. Yeah, yeah. memes go far. Yeah, memes go far. They do. We've uh, mentioned uh, I've mentioned a few times certainly on this show and other shows uh, the case of uh, Edward Bernays. Uh, who was an Austrian-American pioneer in the field of public relations and propaganda. In fact, many people consider that he in- invented uh, our modern public relations marketing and propaganda world, um, his best-known campaigns. And he was his mother was Anna Freud, uh, and she was the sister of Sigmund Freud. And so he migrated to the U.S. and uh, basically created the PR. His best-known campaigns include a 1929 effort to promote female smoking by branding cigarettes as feminist, Tortures of Freedom, and his work for the United Fruit Company connected with the CIA orchestrated overthrow of the democratically elected Guatemalan government. So even back in the in the 50s, we were having manipulation via propaganda and public relations and how to oversell to sell people. His, his main books were called Crystallizing Public Opinion and Propaganda. And Propaganda was an interesting book because he described the masses as irrational and subject to herd instinct and outlined how skilled practitioners could use crowd psychology and psychoanalysis to control them in desirable ways. And we're talking here about the 1920s. Yeah, and I think that uh, fruit company you mentioned is where the the term Banana Republic came from, of course, isn't (laughs) it? I'm sure it, it is. You're you know, making that up because no, no, I think it's true. Think you're it's right. true yeah, because the Americans were using the fruit company Brilliant. to overthrow countries and governments yeah. in South America, and then of course what you got was was the result of the fruit company, which oh, became sure. like a banana. Right there you go. Of course, you know, they grow a lot of bananas in South America. Yeah. But now I heard that uh, that guy Bernays invented a sauce called Bernays sauce. But <laughs> I, I think that's fake news. I don't think that's true. <laughs> it's delicious, and it really makes uh, a very ordinary egg taste something extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. Which is he, about how it, how it is with uh, slathering on the stuff over something. I mean, it doesn't actually have any content, just make it look really good, taste good, smell good, I feel you good. Gotta, you got to spin it, like whip it up. Spin, it whip it up, spin it, yeah. you pay for it, yep. and then you then you buy it. It's, it's pretty much how it works, Peter. And, and it makes your food taste oh, like something else. <laughs> it covers up the original flavour. Oh, dear. Goodness. So, uh, when, and you were talking there about uh, the different layers, and for those people who don't listen to this show regularly, maybe just a very brief uh, summary of uh, how we base much of our information, not all, but uh, on the the work of Claire W. Graves. We do, uh, we do indeed. So it might not seem like it sometimes, but we are operating from an understanding of consciousness here, very, very deep uh, and philosophical also understanding. Good, having a good time at the same time, which is rather good. Yes, yeah, that's true. And folks, by the way, of course, you can text in on our text line at any time, 04 
373 and there is a text in uh, I quoted Mark Twain before and here's a good one Mark Twain also said politicians and diapers must be changed often <laughs> and for the same reason <laughs> And unfortunately, though, however, they're not changing fast enough, you could argue, in some of our countries at the moment, or they're changing too fast, one of the two. Mm. Although in Australia, we've had a PM for quite a while now. Uh, yeah, I know. The it's almost it's a year or so. It's fantastic. It's yeah. a, actually, the, I don't think the PM's so fantastic, but it's rather good we have some sort of stability, or is it? Is that a false stability? Probably. Yeah. Yes, well... We're all shaking our heads here because we don't really know what we're talking about here because we don't know what the truth is. We're not sort of claiming that, are we? No, but what we can do mm. is uh, is rather than listen to the words is actually look at what people are doing. Yep. This seems to be, I think, a, a, a very useful tool at this time in history. Uh, and there are so many examples from recent history where people... In particular, what are these noises that we're getting in the background? I think someone's posting things on my Facebook. I'm just going to have to kill, uh, <laughs> kill that part out. Fake news, no doubt. Um, yes, uh, or maybe it's somebody else's. Yep, right. Well, good to go now. There you go. Mm. Facebook interfering with our show live mm. on radio. Mm. Anyway, what were we saying? Um, so, yes, look for the actions and not the words. And uh, we've had some remarkable examples of... Uh, extremely well-crafted spin uh, you know in fairly recent history from political leaders and, yeah. and when you look at the actual tally of what they did it tells a very very different story and uh, I think uh, President Obama was is a good example there uh, because he portrayed this amazing sort of hopeful uh, character yeah. when you know when he was running uh, and of course got elected as a result of uh, his popularity, and then uh, when uh, they really kind of waited until he was uh, retired uh, before they started tallying up like how many bombs had been dropped under his name and the you know the uh, yeah, killer drone mm. program that mm. he used to do every Tuesday and, and those sorts of things. Yeah, it is yeah. pretty incredible. And he and did he did on average drop a bomb every twenty seconds through his eight years. Yeah, it's which quite, is, quite is huge. It is quite um, huge. And deportations were also huge, and he expanded the the way that people could be caught and deported, um, you know, for migration issues. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it didn't really come out until uh, Trump was elected, and people started looking at the numbers and being like, "This is horrific! Look at all of these things that are happening." Yeah. Um, and in many cases, uh, Trump hadn't. This is in the the first few months of his. Uh, leadership and he hadn't had a chance to do anything yet that was just a, a hangover of what was already in play mm, yeah. uh, and so it's quite interesting that sometimes we do need a, a change in um, who's on stage before we look at what was actually happening right right very true interesting too on the other side of the equation as you're talking about these things i also think about the the much vaunted claim particularly in america but it's also true here of the uh, the right side of po politics the more conventional side of politics that talks about small government and that they believe in small government and we're going to cut back on administration of small government but actually the statistics will show that the republicans in america and i think it's also true correct me if I'm wrong, with the coalition here in power often, the government actually gets bigger, uh, particularly with the Republicans, uh, because more regulation actually happens, even though they claim sort of less regulation, and we're against the regulation of this, that and the other, and they will remove uh, you know, regulation on things like environmental uh, protocols, of, that's an obvious example, but overall, the government actually doesn't get smaller under the conservative side of politics. Again, it's just a complete furphy. Yeah. And of course, Hans Rosling, uh, I think, who I think has passed away now, he he sort of made a living out of tallying up the the data and presenting the facts. And and often, you know, his graphs would tell a very different story than than mm. what public opinion, you know, popular opinion uh, would have told you. Yeah, mm. yeah. He did a really good job of um, also surfacing some of the really embedded uh, cultural and societal beliefs that we have. 
So he'd often survey people and the students in his classes and say, um, you know, what's the answer to this this sort of, you know, common knowledge problem? Um, And then he would do the same thing uh, with chimps. And um, the chimps, you know, should be accurate 50% of the time because he'd give them two options and they'd pick one or the other. Um, And because the chimps were 50% accurate, they're actually more accurate than the students on a lot of these common knowledge questions, uh, which is fascinating. So it just goes to show how biased we can be but it's quite hard to, to see the bias in action in ourselves. Hmm. And just for those listeners who might be confused, the chimps were just randomly choosing a button, right? Randomly, they weren't actually randomly. considering the questions, right? <laughs> well, they it's, just wanted it's, a banana. It's like placebo. <laughs> yeah, so that's right. It was like placebo. I mean, uh, there's a, a piece out, I think one of us posted on our, our, our room the other uh, our chat uh, line the other day, our room, uh, the other day about... Um, secret propaganda channel. Yes, you thank you. Yes, don't, yeah, don't yeah. tell anybody about that. I shouldn't <laughs> give you the password out there, folks. Uh, yeah, about um, about how doctors give, um, give med- med- uh, medicines that... They know actually don't work for the particular case, but because of the placebo effect, well, sometimes they do, and it's you know, and you've got to wonder. Yeah, 77 percent. Yeah. Um, in a study of 136 Australian GPs, mm. admitted to giving active medications such as antidepressants as a placebo, uh, and 40 percent said they used them at least once a month. Well, that's a lot, and does call into question all sorts of things. There, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> So sometimes they're, they're giving things like antibiotics or, or mm-hmm. vitamins, yes. um, but 39% of doctors said they actually gave inactive placebos like sugar pills. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting space, though, because placebos can work. Yeah. That's what the science That's is. right. I, I went to a therapist here in the Byron region a few years ago who was actually selling placebo pills on the counter. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Buy a placebo pill. Yeah. And the thing is, of course, in many cases, it'll be much less damaging taking a placebo pill than taking some pharmaceuticals. So uh, perhaps you're better off. Uh, attempting a placebo and having a belief in it. That's right, guaranteed to work some of the time. Some of the time. Um, And so it's interesting to look at what they're prescribing placebos for. Hmm. Um, 39% of the time placebos were being uh, given out for viral infections, 21% for sleep difficulty and insomnia, and 17% for pain-related conditions. So who knows, maybe that's that's where the placebos work quite well. Yeah, we'll take a break here. Tune to Future Sense. We're dallying around the topic this morning about uh, actions and words. Actions speaking louder words. Where are the actions? Where are the words? Why is there a disjunct between the two at this time, particularly in the in the layer of uh, of consciousness, in the paradigm in which we seem to be emerging into and coming from, and uh, how are we going to address uh, understanding the truth? Does the truth actually even matter anymore? That's also a question that you might want to address too. Text in on zero four three seven three four triple one nine. And thanks to those listening outside of this region, of the Rainbow region of the Northern Rivers of New South Wales, all over the world, www.bayfm.org or via the podcast, which can be heard through our website, futuresense.it. You can also go to our Twitter page, at Futuresense Show. And also, thanks to Ross, uh, I, I was not up to date with the fact that Apple... Uh, you need to have the Apple Podcast app if you're going through Apple, not through iTunes anymore. You need to just download the, the free app to listen to us via that source. You're resonating right now on Future Sense with Steve McDonald and Nick Jeans. You're tuned to Future Sense. It's 9.44 here with Nick Jeans, Steve McDonald, and our special guest this week, Ross Hill. And we're talking about actions and words, actions speaking louder than words, or do they? It's That's right. And, and the problems that we have with words these days with fake news everywhere. Yep. Which words do you believe? 
Indeed. So which words do you believe? Well... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, you know, we're, we're folks like so many people in this area who uh, you know, would consider ourselves sort of trying to be at least on, 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 the, on the button, so to speak, trying to keep up with what's going on in the world. But even relatively intelligent people, like perhaps we are here, uh, still find it rather difficult to find what is the truth, what uh, words are actually saying and what's the intention behind uh, what, is, uh, what is given to us, particularly by politics, by business leaders and the like. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, the big one now too is yeah. um, who are we actually listening to? Because since mm. the internet came out, it's a lot easier to go straight to the source instead of saying, mm. "Did you hear that thing that Nick Jeans was saying the other day?" I can just go to Nick Jeans directly and say, "Yeah, he tweeted about this thing." Mm. Uh, and so, it, it is easier in some ways to go to the source, but mm. it's also easier for people to spin yeah. opinions about different sources. Yeah. And sometimes the the opinions and the memes that spin out of it are far more interesting and compelling and entertaining than what the original person said. And I guess even it drowns out what the original person says in some cases. Exactly. The noise yeah. that occurs. Yeah. 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 And uh, I, you're quite right, and often the attention gets directed to the media outlet rather than the actual source of mm. the information. Sometimes the original source not, is not even quoted uh, mm. in, in many media articles. Mm. Very true. Very true. Um, of course, in answer to your question, Nick, um, what I do is look at the language as a, as a pointer to the layer of consciousness, which is... Yeah, the, the the source is speaking through, and, yes. and then that can be very telling. But it's it's not uh, widely accessible to most people to be able to do that yet. Yeah, it, it will be in the future, though. Yes, and it will be the antidote. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, and it's a hard thing. We talk about this all the time here, and this is why we bring the work of Claire W. Graves to you, listeners out there, for those of you who want to or can hear it. That uh, that notion that we can figure out, so to speak the place, the paradigm, the the layer of consciousness that someone is speaking from, and that doesn't make them wrong, that makes them just where they're actually at and that their contribution is valuable within its own value system as much as any other value system, with it, as much as any other opinion. And that's hard for us to take because there is this sense of conformity that's sort of uh, upon us now, of trying, to, of trying to be in line with the views, particularly with the contentious issues such as the environment, climate change, uh, generally the poisoning of our, of our Earth systems and many other issues and the, the, the trust that you might put in politicians these days or not, religious leaders, business leaders and the like, you know, we're, we're trying to find, a, I, I would say, a new place to sort of align ourselves so that we actually have some strength to make some changes. Yeah, that's true. And that conformity that you, you spoke about is something that's coming out of this emerging mm. paradigm, the, uh, the sixth layer in Graves' model, which is called in various names by, by various commentators. Postmodernism is, is one uh, name, but that's been around for a while and I think it sort of captured a very early stage of this new paradigm that you know was, was far short of its maturity and, and it still is to some extent, of course, because it's still emerging. But it's a communal theme, so we call it a we, us, our theme. It's driven by the desire for deep human connection and group acceptance. And so being part of a social group and being an accepted part, a respected part of a social group is extremely important. It's, it's as important as being successful was in the old paradigm. Mm. And if, if those of you who are old enough, you know, can think back a few decades to how important it was to, to be successful within society, you know, you were measured by your success. And these days that has flipped to being measured by your group acceptance mm. and your uh, deep connection with your, your social group. Uh, and all of the commun all of the, the feminine we, us, our themes throughout history have 
revolved around some kind of conformity, but just with varying themes. Uh, this one being deep human connection. Uh, and what that means is that when we're in uh, and, and living from and looking through a paradigm like that, then uh, there's this sense that everybody has to get with the program. You know, If you're not with the program, then you're not one of us. Uh, and the way that's playing out at the moment across the world is that there, there's uh, a kind of a group think at play and the group comes to a conclusion about a particular topic and say, okay, this is what we believe as a peer group, as a social group, uh, and then you differ from that opinion at your own risk. And of course, the, the, the most dangerous risk for someone who's operating through that paradigm you know, having that we, us, our layer six is their operating system, the most dangerous outcome is to be rejected by the group yeah. and cast out. Yes. That, that's the, the biggest threat. Are you with us or against us mentality? Yeah. Mm. Mm. And of course that can, it, I mean, what we're seeing play out in social media in particular at the moment is this, the rejection, but also uh, censorship, you know, where the, the owners of the platform, for example, Facebook have decided what's okay to say and what's not okay to say. And this is, you know, it's, it's really the development process for a new set of ethics. In, in the future, so it's 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 not a nonsensical process. It has a purpose. It's trying to determine what is okay in society now and what's not. Just in the same way that in in past eras mm. we've had these ethical frameworks mm. that have been extremely useful. Um, but on social media, because of the the lack of control, the freedom of speech, you know, it, it often descends into persecution as well, personal attacks very quickly. Very quickly, uh, I, I might say. <laughs> yeah, I, I did a little experiment during the week. Uh, which, which oh, I did you drew, you drew some <laughs> flack? Did you? Oh, I, I did. It. I did. Oh, I, just, I just, I just, uh, I, I did something I don't normally do. Cream just pies, to see what pies. what happened. Uh, oh, a friend of mine on Facebook made a post about. Uh, climate change and I thought well I'm just gonna just as an experiment I'm just gonna go in there and offer a different opinion uh, and wow. it, it, it wasn't I wasn't being uh, I wasn't being dishonest it was an opinion that I was in line with and and I offered some scientific uh, validation to back it up but the responses I got were overwhelmingly personal attacks mm. uh, and I, I then went back and commented and asked somebody who'd personally attacked me uh, did you actually read what I posted? Did you go and look at that video or did you read that scientific paper? And the answer was, no, I, I don't need to read it. Yeah, <laughs> it's wrong. <laughs> it's obviously wrong. You're just wrong. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's interesting too, uh, Guy, and you finished that piece. Of the, well, well that, was, that was pretty much it. Yeah, know, yeah. And it got to the point where, um, you know, my, my final comment was to, to somebody who was personally attacking me, thanks for the personal attack. Uh, and that actually finished the, the dialogue, which I was quite happy about. <laughs> so I left it there. Um, but, I, you know, I made a point of po pointing out that people weren't actually having a discussion about climate change here. They were just attacking each other. It was, you know, I'm right. No, you're, you're wrong. I'm right. Uh, that's basically what the discussion was. Yeah. Uh, and that seems to be becoming more common, and, and mm. particularly on these social media platforms where people can get away with, with anything, really. Or also, just uh, even uh, without social media, I'm thinking now of also the, the current case of uh, the very right-wing um, uh, Murdoch commentator, Andrew Bolt, and his comments about Bruce Pascoe's Dark Emu book, which has become uh, you know, quite culturally impactful and probably has has is helping to transmute some of the old attitudes towards Indigenous Australians. And Andrew Bolt has been criticising, you may have seen this, I think I posted 
of I actually it. haven't. I, yeah. I'm not on top of this. So yes. if, maybe if you could just go into a little bit of the backstory, that would be yes. helpful. Well, essentially, he's attacking the, the veracity of PASCO's research, even though PASCO's research comes and can be identified uh, uh, quite clearly from the diaries of various uh, explorers of the time, white men, mm. who went out and found these uh, groups of indigenous people doing things that they shouldn't be doing, actually doing agriculture, aquaculture, having uh, various types of buildings, some of them quite tall, obviously having some sort of sense of community in a, in a way that we might more readily ha um, uh, you know, acknowledge and see. And, uh, and Bolt is, has been attacking all of this as, as uh, not true or exaggerated and so forth. But he didn't read the book. And no. he's, he's, he's shown, he said, yeah, I haven't read the book, yeah, number one. Yeah. Same sort of thing. Yeah. And secondly, distorting as much as he possibly can the language to edge the discourse away from uh, some sort of acknowledgement that Indigenous people actually had power, intelligence. They weren't the noble or innoble savages that were that the British called them here. It wasn't terra nullius at all. Yeah. So that, that sort of movement of the discourse by simply distorting and not actually knowing the truth is extraordinary. It's happening everywhere. Yeah. In Claire Graves' work, he um, pointed to shadow aspects in the, the particular layers of consciousness. And uh, it's generally accepted by those who, who studied his work that the shadow aspects relate to the layer three steps down mm. uh, in the model. So for layer six, the shadow element is layer three, which is egocentric behavior, yeah. which often plays out as power games, power plays, yes. and, and just trying to establish that I'm more powerful than you in a very raw way. And, and so you can see that dynamic playing itself out that shadow aspect in those sorts of discussions where there's there's no substance to the to the knowledge being discussed you know there's no no actual argument going on except that i'm more powerful than you mm. i know more than you you don't know much uh, and that's it mm. you know pretty yeah. basic stuff yes yeah, um, well, there's a lot of different elements here. And don't forget, folks, the text. We have another text here. I'll come to that actually before we, and another one just popped in too. We'll come to those shortly. Thanks for texting. We will pretty well cover every text that comes in if we can. So As long as we agree with it. <laughs> yes, as long as we agree. <laughs> yeah, we will, we will be doing That's why we have Ross here, because Ross is our, is our diviner and uh, slice, cut and slice uh, chap who knows, knows how we can distort the truth best and uh, offer you something that's... I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, there you go, see? Plausible denial. Right there. <laughs> um, yeah, let's take a break here on BFM 999. You are tuned to Future Sense with Nick Jean, Steve McDonald, and our special guest, the wonderful Ross Hill. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on BFM in Byron Bay, Australia, at bfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.